Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since it first started tumbling into Ireland through the old pirate coves of West Cork and in the stomachs of drug mules coming from Miami, cocaine has become the drug of our nation. It has swept in like a blizzard, dusting every corner of every small town and so swift and total has its spread been that the Irish are now some of the biggest users in the world. But to unravel how a small island like ours on the edge of Europe ended up such a big player in the major cocaine leagues, we must follow the white supply lines back to the beginning. We must follow the routes it has taken as it travels across the globe. And most importantly, we need to follow the cowboys who put us on the map. So join me, Nicola Talent, for my new live show, Cocaine Cowboys, the story of Ireland's love affair with Colombia's biggest export. Limited tickets now available for February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman and at Dublin's Three Olympia on Sunday, February 18th. Tickets available at venues are on mcd.ie. Ironically, that three-month-old little baby that was left in the house on its own was Kevin Conway, who was shot down on Tuesday night in West Belfast, where he was on bail. There are people who have been arrested over the years and questioned in relation to the murder of Kevin Conway Sr. When you think of the Kennehans, you associate the Kennehans with cocaine. That's just what you associate them with. This is a much sort of dirtier end of, of the drug dealing business. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The murder of notorious crime gang member Kevin Conway in West Belfast this week has sinister similarities to a number of other assassinations in the North, with suggestions that one hitman may now be responsible for seven deaths. Conway, a member of the feared firm outfit, was shot dead at the doorway of his bail address where he was living as he awaited trial for the murder of Shane Whitla in Lurgan last year. Today, I'm talking with Belfast Telegraph crime correspondent Alison Morris about Conway, about his background and links to the firm, and about her fascinating take on a hitman who disappears 
like a ghost leaving no trace. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. I suppose start, Alison, with who is Kevin Conway and what is the firm? So Kevin Conway, despite the fact that he was only 26 years of age, was already really well known to police. He was a member of the sort of Lurgan Portadown-based crime gang known as The Firm. He had been involved in petty criminality from his early teens um, and had progressed right up through the ranks to the point that at the time of his death, he was on bail, one of three people who has been bailed in relation to the murder of a guy called Shane Whitlock. He was shot dead in Lurgan last January. And at that time, and during previous bail hearings that have taken place since then, police have said that Shane Whitlock was targeted because he owed quite a substantial drug debt to the firm. Um, the firm had probably been in existence for about 10 years. They started off almost like the both, like a bit of a joke of a, a, a sort of, you know, a gang. I mean, I'm told that the sort of founding members called themselves that as a sort of in-joke based on, you know, that awful football film, The Firm, mm-hmm. uh, from like 2008, 2009, and then it just sort of stuck. Um, but what happened was then we had uh, two guys who were mates who are, you know, pretty sort of handy with their fists. They were they were hard men, you know, even from their late teens. I mean, I've spoke to people who, you know, knew them from they were children, even said even at school they were feared. They were quite feared. They got involved in, in petty drug dealing. I can't even name them because they're facing serious charges at this time, but they got involved in petty drug dealing, moved up. They were making a few quid, drug dealing, flash cars, all of that. But at that stage, the drug the drugs in that middle, so that portadown type area, were all being run by the LVF, the Loyalist Volunteer Force. It was a paramilitary group that was founded by Billy Wright. Um, Billy Wright did not agree with the UVF ceasefire. He thought they should still keep fighting. He founded the, the LVF, which became a sort of sectarian murder squad responsible for the murders of 18 people. Wright was shot dead in the Mays prison by the NLA um, when he was a prisoner. After that, a guy called Swinger Fulton, Mark Fulton, took over. He was found dead in prison in 2002, found dead in a cell. Um, and then the LVF basically just became an organised crime gang, a big drug gang with involving prostitution, drugs, but on a larger scale. It was being run by what were two brothers, basically, in that Portadown area and by a crime, a very notorious crime family in the greater Aftermath area. Mm. Now, previously, if drug dealers were coming up through that area and they were rivaling the LVF, well, the LVF would just take them out. They'd shoot up their house, they'd leave pipe bombs outside their house, they'd send them threats, they'd push them out until the point where they didn't exist. But someone clearly had a look at these boys and went, they would be handy. You know, they're handy, they're hard men, they're enforcers. Rather than fight with these, and they were teenagers at the time, mm. why not them, bring them in and form part. And so that is how this gang really was formed. And it became uh, something that Bernie existed in Northern Ireland in terms of one of our five few cross communities that day, crime gangs. It has people from that loyalist world, people from quite province and estates in that area. And then it has people from, you know, very Catholic areas of Lurgan um, and people who, strangely, what we've seen is people whose families might have been involved in the provisional IRA, people whose were, you would know, there were almost household names at one stage, members of the provisional IRA, people who would have been big hitters. Their children and grandchildren are actually coming up and becoming members of the firm, and that's the really strange thing. Kevin Conway himself is from the Kilwilkie estate, a very Republican um, Catholic estate. His father was abducted in 1998. I say abducted, he basically just disappeared from his house. He was babysitting his three-month-old son at the time. 
Um, he disappeared. The, the alarm was raised when a relative came home and found this baby, you know, in its cot in the house alone. Um, and he was found a couple of days later in Ahalee in a, a remote farmhouse. His hands were tied and he'd been shot in the head. The IRA never claimed that, but it was always suspected that he was killed because he was involved in selling, you know, smuggled cigarettes and things like that. He wasn't passing any money on. It was a big no-no around that time to be doing that in a state like Helwalki. And it was believed that he was killed by members of the IRA in an unsanctioned killing because of that. Ironically, that three-month-old little baby that was left in the house of its own was Kevin Conway. He was shot down on Tuesday night in West Belfast where he was on bail. And the the death of his father clearly had an impact on his life. But there are people who have been arrested over the years and questioned in relation to the murder of Kevin Conway Sr. And actually one, a relative of theirs is a member of the firm and would be quite close or would have been quite close to Kevin Conway. So someone who was related to the men who we believe killed Kevin Conway's father and Kevin Conway became members of the same same crime gang. So, they, you know, they have dozens of young runners and a lot of young women involved in this gang, which again is something that we hadn't previously seen before. A lot of young women who are making a fair bit of money selling drugs on a, a sort of, you know, more of a, a minor basis. A lot of their runners are, are basically kids with addiction problems who are selling drugs to feed their own habit. And then, ironically, they're getting into they're getting into drug debt. They're getting into quite considerable drug debt to the firm. And if the firm's threatened yet, it's not something to be taken idly because Shane Whitley's evidence of that. And so, all of this came to a head just before before Christmas. There was a young fellow who came from quite a sort of well respected family who had gotten himself into an awful lot of debt with the the firm. Um, but I sent off a lot of debt, not an awful lot of debt in real terms. Apparently, owed around a thousand pound to the firm. But for someone who has no job and addiction problems and their mental health spiraling, a thousand pounds may as well be a million pounds. Um, and he took his own life. And that has caused a really big backlash because it's not just that we're seeing drug dealing and you see on one hand the people with the flash cars, with the you know nice lifestyles. And then you see the people in the middle who are maybe doing all right and making a few quid and they're dressed nicely, the nice trainers, things like that. But maybe, you know, not not at the, you know, holidays in Dubai type, type money. And then at the bottom end, you have people who are just addicted to, to all kinds of drugs, incomplete mental health crisis. And the firm isn't, when you think of the Kennehans, you associate the Kennehans with cocaine. That's just what you associate them with. This is a much sort of dirtier end of, of the drug dealing business. They're dealing in cocaine as well. They're dealing in heroin. But they're also dealing quite considerably in illegal prescription medication. So very cheap medication, which is bought in in bulk, but you know, millions of tablets at a time from Asia. Um, they cost literally pennies to buy and transport. But there is such a serious addiction problem. We're seeing it more and more in Northern Ireland. I don't know why it's so specific to this place and not other places. But it's you know, it's your Lyrica, it's the Trombadol, it's the Diazepam, Tamazepam, Blues and Yellows is the column. All sorts of tablets, and they're taking these things in handfuls, and they're very cheap to import. And there's a lot of money to be made from selling them. Um, and those are what we're, and you can see that that's become a real problem, not just we can hear young people, youth workers talking about what a problem it is. If you look at the inquest lists and the inquest, the people who died of drug deaths in the past, I'd have looked at that and it has said died from overdose of such and such otherwise known as heroin, or such just otherwise known as cocaine mixture with alcohol. Now it's died from, and there's a list of things that I wouldn't even be able to pronounce. Mm -hmm. In the list of, of drugs that were found in these people's system, and that is those tablets that are being sold, 
being sold on the black market. They're things that, you know, replicas of prescription medication and young people are highly, highly addictive, almost impossible to get off. I believe the withdrawals from them are terrible. And then we're seeing an increase in suicide. So all of this is being linked to the firm as well. And what there's been, you know, a lot of allegations of it recently, which something that just causes me great distress. I have daughters, you have daughters, mm. is an increase in the sexual ex- exploitation of young women who owe drug debts. So they owe money to these gangs and they're being taken to parties and passed around to pay off the drug debts. And that I find really distressing. They sound familiar to me um, because there's a grouping down here called The Family. We call them The Family. They would be one of the top targets of the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau. They are very much uh, using vulnerable heroin addicts in this case to hold their guns, to hold their uh, their drugs. They use them. They obviously then get, they're the ones who get caught. Some of them in the communities have managed to come off drugs, you know, addictive substances, particularly heroin, and they lure them back in, you know, by giving them free drugs in order to hold something. And they have that same, you know, if we're looking at we're not looking at any particular drug gangs being better than the others, but they do seem to really target the more vulnerable ends of society. Kevin Conway obviously was marked out by that start in his life at three months old when his father was shot dead and he was left or was killed and he was he was left abandoned in a home. Um, he obviously chose a path into criminality, Petty, and then he made his way into the ranks of the firm. He was facing murder charges. He was obviously one of their enforcers, one of the people that was going out heavy-handedly collecting drug debts. So the allegation against him in relation to Shane Whitla's murder is that he was the guy who had to collect the money and therefore he has ranked Shane Whitla over this drug debt. He's told him to meet him at a certain place and when Shane Whitla showed up, he shot dead. So the allegation wasn't that he was the gunman, it was that he had lured him to, uh, to this place. They had quite a few people who had been working as sort of gunmen, hitmen for them. So there's a dangerous group of people which are growing week by week more powerful or and more dangerous or had been up until mm-hmm. this week because up until now, no one had challenged them. In the Mid-Ulster area, they, they're such that, I mean, I'm not talking about, obviously, we're talking about dozens of members and the majority of them would be people who would have no power, no autonomy, people who are just making a couple of pounds or people who have serious addictions. But at that top level, and I'm thinking, you know, I have, you know, eight or nine names in my head of the people who would be at the top of that. They were unchallenged. They just were not challenged. They had, as you know, when I was speaking to an insider about this this week, and what he said was they had no natural creditors. There was no one who was willing to take them on. Um, you didn't challenge them. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who were at the top of that, they wouldn't have thought twice about shooting someone or about attacking their home. You know, um, they had a ability to pipe bomb homes, shooting up people's homes, threatening people, threatening their families. So nobody challenged him. Mm. Kevin Conway, in his wisdom, was first of all bailed in a dress in Nere. He did a runner. Well, not well, he breached his bail. And a police called around to check on the breach of bail. He ran away in his socks, helicopter and everything up, handed himself in two days later. And um, that was in February last year. In July last year, he applied for bail again and was granted bail again despite objections from the police. There was a number of addresses put forward. He was told he couldn't have an address anywhere in Lurgan or Portadown. And eventually they settled on an address in West Belfast where he probably thought he could keep his head down. But being in such a, a, a sort of Republican close-knit community, someone who was basically a notorious gangster, which is what he was, showing up into the middle of this house in this state, you know, he was always going to raise eyebrows and he was always going to alert people to his presence. And this is when the firm have had their first challenge. So they've had their first challenge in the form of 
one of their members has been murdered and they've been murdered by people who are not afraid of them, mm. you know, who don't fear retaliation or reprisals from them, and who have been responsible not just for two very messy, you know, murders, you know, very, you know, amateurly organized as the, the two, the murder of Malcolm McKeown and Shane Whitler have, albeit they all have the same outcome. But people who we have a list of basically assassinations that have taken place in that area and no one has ever been charged or convicted with them because they are planned to such a degree that their people are in and out. Mm. Um, even no forensic trace, they're using brand new weapons with no, no ballistics history. Um, and it's believed that that gunman or gunman who are responsible for numerous murders in that area has taken out Ken Conway, which is sending a message to people, you know, West Belfast is not a dumping ground for your, you know, your uh, your drug barons, your gang members. Don't be dump, dumping them in here on us because this is the, the consequences of it. So, like, from what you've described, the firm, they were obviously roughing up some lower level addicts, but they were also roughing up people and had murdered people who had serious associates who would be well capable probably of challenging if they so rose to do that, members of the firm. But there's also maybe a suggestion that this is a localised, you know, don't dump these guys in West Belfast kind of a situation as well. Yeah, so what we have had, and I have spoken to you about this before, mm. is we've had a number of murders. Um, you know, we've had Warren Crossan and Mark Hall. They were linked to the murder of Robbie Lawler. They were killed in West Belfast, both of them in quite similar circumstances. Uh, Warren Crossan's father had been the leader of the Continuity IRA. Like Kevin Conway, his father was murdered. His father was shot dead in 2004. He was devoted to his mother and would have went at the same time every Saturday to visit her. He arrived to visit his mother and two gunmen, chased him down in broad daylight in a street in West Belfast and shoot him dead. Almost a year later, his friend, his having, you know, the person who did his enforced in Mark Hall, Travels up and dropping on the train to visit his mother for Christmas, to deliver Christmas presents. He shot dead by two gunmen as well in St. James's in West Belfast. Prior to that, in 2018, in December, we have Jim J.D. Donegan. He was collecting his child from school in, in St. Mary's, a, a grammar school on the Glen Road in um, West Belfast, and sitting inconspicuously in an £80,000 Porsche in the middle of one of the most deprived areas of you know Western Europe. And a lone gunman comes up and assassinates him in front of horrified, you know, children and, and parents. His business was then passed on to his friend. It was actually, he was living actually in J.D. Donegan's house, Sean Fox. Sean Fox was paying money to, to a faction of dissent republicanism as protection money. Thought that that meant he was okay. He was sitting in the Donegal Salty Club watching a football match on a Sunday afternoon. And two gunmen walk calmly in, empty both of the, the weapons, shoot him multiple, multiple times. Um, and calmly walked straight back out again. According to the CCTV, there were 21 seconds from they walked into the bar, killed him and walked straight back out and disappeared into thin air and never to be seen again. A guy called Danny McLean was also killed in similar circumstances in North Belfast. Another guy called Kieran Wiley killed just within within about less than a mile, almost half a mile, the quarter of a mile of where um, this murder took place on Tuesday. We have also had those three other murders, and in all cases, the gunmen disappear into a place called Lenadoon, it's an estate, mm. and they're never seen again. There's no way, and I know that area really, really, really well. There's no way someone came from Lurgan or Portadown up there to kill Kevin Conway and made their escape. Mm. It's like a rabbit warren of streets. Unless you knew it and had local knowledge, you wouldn't know how to get in. And here's the key thing, and all those killings that I mentioned. There was no getaway car. No car was ever found burning. No motorbike was ever found burning. 
the gunmen made way, their way off on foot, which means not just do they have local knowledge, they have local support because somewhere in that area, there is a house that they're able to disappear into to change their clothes, get rid of weapons, all of that. So Kevin Longway has not been killed by rivals of the farm. He has been killed by members of a Republican hit squad, a hitman who now, he sometimes acts alone, sometimes acts in powers. If my calculations are correct, this is his seventh victim that he has killed um, in recent years. And that is a message that I can see and that anyone I've spoken to is that is a message is you want to run around Norgan and put it down and Craig Alvin, you know, swinging your shoulders like hard men, acting big gang, you know, your 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 gang name, calling yourselves the farm, but come up in the Republican West Belfast. Well, then there's a different dynamic up here. You know, it's not some some poor guy that's addicted to drugs that owes you money. Mm-hmm. It's not a rival drug gang that might want to take some of your territory. This is a different, you know, you're playing in the big boys' playground now. And that is where I can't understand why in any way, shape or form, Kevin Conway thought that was safe bail address to live up. So what connects these victims, I suppose, is obviously they're all drug dealers. Um, the majority of them were drug dealers. The only ones that weren't drug dealers were people who had previously been members of a group called Oglenahara, ONH, which is a part a Republican group, which is officially on ceasefire, and had fallen foul of former members. One of them was caught in possession of information on former Republicans. He was gathering their car registrations and stuff like that. And the other one was someone who had been a member and was we believe trying to set up his own sort of vigilante style group at the time. Mm. That two of them was that Kemp Wiley and Donnie McLean. The rest of them are all criminals and quite I don't mean low level criminals, I mean top of their, you know, top of the tree. If we have a hierarchy of criminals, JD Donegan, Sean Fox, Warren Cross and people mm. like that. You know, these aren't big players in the drugs trade. They're also all doing something possibly that is habitual and um, clearly the assassination team or individual is carrying out reconnaissance and is yeah. able to work out where's the best place to hit them, basically. Um, you have Warren Cross and go to see the mother. You have the other chap you mentioned coming up on the train to see his mother. And Conway seems to have gone in and out of that house just to the shop. He seems to have kept kind of low profile, does he? Apart from that. Um, Were they all under pressure to pay up some of the money that they were earning from the drug trade to dissidents? Were they refusing to do that? Is there any suggestion of that? Are you talking about a sort of a an assassin who's <laughs> in, a, in a crass way keeping West Belfast clean? It is like this sort of, you know, like enforcer, like equalizer type character who's running around, you know, killing these type of drug dealers, which we, we, we have seen in the past. By the way, this happened years and years and years ago with the, the turn of the Good Friday Agreement. There was a group called Direct Action Against Drugs. At that time, it was just a cover name for the professional IRA. And they did exactly the same thing. They went around killing really serious players in the drugs trade. And that included, you know, um, people like Mickey Mooney, who was really high profile at the time. Ed McCoy, um, Bradley Conway, you know, people who were serious players, people who would have been weekly on the pages of your paper, you know, these mm-hmm. were the big drug barons of the time, and they were killed by direct action against drugs. So it's almost as if someone has styled themselves on that type of group. And as I say that to you, overnight in the middle of Kilwilke Estate, where Conway came from, someone painted DAAD and crosshairs on a wall. So you can see that they're evoking this sort of spurt of, you know, direct action against drugs. Mm. This group doesn't claim these killings. It doesn't claim to carry them out. 
it's a no no claim, no blame situation. So we don't know if they even have a name, if they can call themselves anything, but we do know that they're responsible for a number of these films. And we do know that some of these people, like J.D. Donegan, like Sean Fox, were paying a fraction of distant Republican money and protection money, which is why one thought that he was happy days sitting on the Glen Road West Belfast in the Porsche waiting on his son. And the other one was in Bizarrely watching a football match in the Donegal Celtic um, Football Club. But what we do also have, and despite the fact that we're 25 years out of, you know, the Good Friday Agreement, there still remains a law of a murder when it comes to dealing with the police around, you know, around here and around these parts. Mm. You know, I, I believe that out of 100 people who were both in the barn and the lounge of, of the club that day, the police have not managed to get, I don't think, a single statement from any of them. Nobody's seen anything. Um, and that is something that police have come under a lot of criticism for not solving those killings, but, and far be it from me to defend them, but put it like this way. If you have a killer who's carrying out dummy runs and carrying out reconnaissance and checking their, their getaway route, arriving, what time's the best time to arrive? What time's the best? Some cases what they're doing is they might leave, you know, a hooks device close to the property weeks before to see how long it takes police to show up, how long it takes them to arrive, what routes they take there and back. Or they're leaving, you know, a stolen car in a certain place and seeing how long that takes, going in a hooks bomb. In one case, they left like an old sort of toy replica gun in a, in a situation to see how long the police would take and that distracted under there while they were up to something else elsewhere. So they're carrying out these sort of things using dummy runs. And then at the same time, they're using brand new weapons or weapons, you know, weapons with no ballistic history or weapons that have only been used in these killings. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there's no connection to troubles or past murders because that's what police use to solve killings. They go, well, if the drug was used, the gun was used in that killing, well, that means that gang must have had a hold of it. That gang only contains two people who are capable of doing this type of thing. That's how they close these things down. That doesn't exist. They're coming and leaving on foot, which means they don't get away car. They're not arriving in a car. Even getaway cars, when they set fire to them, they leave evidence behind. There's always something can be gleaned from it. And the car had to be bought somewhere. It had to be stored somewhere. All of this helps paint together evidence. They're not doing any of that. They're disappearing like ghosts into the night and no one knows where they disappear to. And then they're not seen maybe for a year or two when they're just appearing and doing exactly the same thing all over again. It's an extraordinary set of circumstances. I've never heard the likes of it. The only thing I would say, just a thought occurred to me there when you say that some of them were paying or believed that they were paying protection money. Um, Certainly what we've experienced down here a lot when there is a murder, somebody thinks they're paying protection money. And of course, the protection money isn't going to where it should be going. Someone's pocketing it on the way or else, you know, it's just never arriving at its final but destination. There are some groups who are willing to take protection money off drug dealers and protect those drug dealers mm. and then maybe threaten their rivals. This isn't that situation. You know, mm. it's, it's difficult at this time, but the motivation, at least in terms of Kevin Conway is killing, the motivation and that, and the place of acknowledge that this person has been responsible, you know, that they understand the public know that these killings have taken place. Um, like our photographer Kevin Scott did a map that showed where four of the more recent ones had taken place and you could literally walk from each location in 10 minutes, you know, um, in a circle and back again. Um, the motivation for that appears to be, do not come and live here and think you will be okay. That appears to be the motivation. Why do you think that you can come and bring the message created in Lurgan and transport it to West Belfast? 
Well, it's a lesson there now for any drug dealers to make sure they don't bed down in West Belfast. That's for sure. It's an absolutely fascinating story. We'll do another little bit on it next week, hopefully. Um, yeah. You have to go now and write a lot for the, the Bell Tell. I, I do. I'm halfway through trying to explain this in written form to the, the readers of the Belfast Telegraph, but hopefully it'll, it'll make just as much sense. Yeah, it'll I hope that made. Well, look, thanks for your time this week and mm-hmm. definitely let's have another little look at this story next week because it is just quite fascinating. So thanks a million, Alison Morris. Okay, talk to you Bye. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.